Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. It's so easy to get consumed in the details and in you know the things you're trying to achieve. It's so important to get outside the office, talk to whether it's your customers or immerse yourself in new opportunities to learn, to stay curious and lead. This is the Business Leadership Podcast and I'm your host, Edwin Frondoza. Welcome. How are you doing? How is your day going? Thank you for taking the time to join me. This is episode number 117, and my special guest today is Lori McGraw. She is the Senior Vice President of Health Solutions at the American Medical Association. Her unit provides data solutions that is used across the entire U.S. healthcare industry and increasingly globally. Prior to joining the AMA, Lori led a clinical documentation startup after having spent 14 years at Allscripts, where she held a variety of senior leadership positions, including Chief Client Officer, President of Strategic Accounts, and President of Enterprise Solutions. Her tenure at Allscripts coincided with its growth from a $30 million company with five initial clients to a $1.5 billion company serving the needs of tens of thousands of clients across the healthcare spectrum. In our conversation, we discuss how she led the innovations of the American Medical Association and updates the healthcare community about it. She talks about developing and bringing out the best on electronic health records to address the barriers and issues between physical-patient relationship. And lastly, we talk about how the AMA has changed and improved telemedicine for patients and physicians. Today's episode is brought to you by TrueShield Insurance, Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Quick shout out to those who have taken the time to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. I really appreciate you. This latest one from Astawa A on Apple Podcasts, and they write, listening while you work is the best way to focus and stay productive. Edwin asks his guests thoughtful and interesting questions and then steps back to give his guests some time to respond at their own pace. Thank you so much, Estawa. So when you subscribe, rate, and leave a review, I will read it out on an upcoming episode. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Lori. Hi, Edwin. How is your day going? My day is going great. How is yours? (laughs) It's going well. Um, Quick note for the listeners out there. We just had a a quick hiccup as as we started recording. So if there, it felt a little awkward because it was, (laughs) but uh, we're having fun, Lori and I. But Lori, why don't you start off by introducing yourself to our listeners today? Um, Maybe if you could tell us who is Lori and what does she like to do when she's not leading businesses? 
Sure. Well, Edwin, I'm um, I'm Lori McGraw. I'm the senior vice president here at the American Medical Association. I lead the health solutions division here. And over a lot of years, a couple of decades now, I've been leading um, businesses, really enjoying in healthcare and healthcare technology. But let me tell you some things about me when I'm not working. And I do like to work a lot, actually. But um, outside of work, I I really focus on a couple simple things. So things like my family, I've got um, two young adult children. My husband and I have been together for going on 30 years now, and we just tend to spend a lot of time with them. They don't really need us any much anymore, um, but we're super proud of them like all parents are. And I'll tell you, as my kids have been... Um, sort of forging their new young professional careers. They're a couple years out of college. Um, I've actually learned so much from them over the past couple years as they start to enter the workforce and think about, you know, what professions they go into. They've moved to new cities. They're, you know, making new friends. They're trying to forge their way. And that has been a really interesting time for my husband and I just because, um, you know, seeing the pressures that they're under in this hyper-connected world where everybody is connected and on social and an influencer has brought a lot of pressure to them. And so it's just been interesting as a parent to watch that um, and, you know, provide coaching and, you know, help and support, but also to think about that as it relates to just the work that I do, um, working with lots of young professionals um, here at the AMA. Um, other things we like to do, um, we, my husband and I, we live here in downtown Chicago. This is, I've been very fun for us. We've been here for the past couple of years, but um, where we call home is Boulder, Colorado. We've been building a home there for the past couple of years. We also spend a lot of time in Montana. Um, being outdoors is probably our favorite thing to do, whether it's hiking or skiing or doing um, other things that are more in the mountains is just where we like to spend the majority of our time when we're um, not here downtown and when I'm not doing a lot of work. Well, I mean, it sounds like, first off, you are living the best of both worlds. <laughs> you you get to live in, uh, in a great city of Chicago and also get to escape in into the mountainous world, right? So that's yeah. that's amazing. And, and I, I, I imagine you get you're finding some more time in, in balance through that. Like how much time are you spending out in Colorado or, or outside of the city? Yeah, not enough. That's <laughs> not enough. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I um, we've been here in uh, Chicago, and it is. It's a great city. It is really fun to be downtown in this really vibrant urban environment. There is so much going on, and I don't know. Um, I've never been lived in a, in a city like this um, right downtown. I've been in suburbs before and other places, um, but most of the time we're here. Year. Um, and whether it's weekends or vacations, um, it is out in the mountains. And that can be, again, you know, hiking or skiing. And I will say that just the balance um, between those two worlds, it's uh, exceptional. People should get out into nature as often as they possibly can. 
No, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing, Lori. Why don't we just jump right in? And I know you quickly mentioned uh, the AMA, the American Medical Association. So if you could just let us know specifically with your current role, what are your responsibilities and perhaps what you're trying to accomplish over the next, let's say, six to 12 months? Sure. Well, maybe, you know, first I can just say that, um, you know, so what I do here at the AMA is I, I lead a division. It's called the Health Solutions Division. We provide a number of data and content products out to um, the entire healthcare industry um, here in the United States, increasingly um, globally. Um, but my background is I've been in healthcare technology for well over 25 years. Um, I've always worked really on the commercial commercial side, and I've been at the AMA for just the past three years. So this is my first um, time working at such a, you know, significant brand, a nonprofit with such a well-known, iconic um, name, the American Medical Association. And I say that because, you know, people don't they all, everyone knows the AMA, but I don't think that everyone really knows what the AMA does um, for for the industry. I mean, it's been around for well over 170 years. It's been singularly focused on improving the art and science of medicine and the betterment of public health. And um, so communicating what the AMA does as somebody who's been working in healthcare for 25 years, I've always known about the organization but I've never known um, what it does. And really what the AMA focuses on is being the physician's powerful ally in patient care. My um, work here is really... um, helping support the AMA drive the future of medicine. And we do this by bringing, you know, certain um, medical terminologies to the market. We've got a code set that describes all of the physician services and procedures in medicine and the $3.4 trillion of um, spend in healthcare. This describes about a third of it. And that's pretty important when you're trying to bring technology into the hands of um, the healthcare ecosystem. That's every hospital, every physician practice, every um, place of um, healthcare delivery. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that is um, a big part of what we do. And my time here in the past couple of years, we've been really focused on trying to take things that are, whether it's the 50-year-old medical terminology that gets updated many times during the year or, you know, um, collecting information about physicians, really understanding um, details about physicians, something that AMA has done for a hundred years. We have been working on innovating and modernizing how we go about doing that work so that we can really provide, um, you know, the innovation, you know, work out to the healthcare ecosystem. Yeah, it's, I mean, from the sounds of it, it's something, and now that you're in the inside, um, you realize the scope of the AMA. And I know even for one, I mean, just, I know the brand, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but, but I guess once you get inside the brand, you realize, oh man, 
why didn't I know all of this, right? And Exactly. I mean, I'll tell you just as, you know, here's an example. So for a lot of years, um, you know, in healthcare technology, I worked on electronic health health records. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I feel really proud of that work. So I spent a lot of years, you know, at the um, very beginning when nobody wanted them, when they were not used by physicians, it was absolutely the most difficult thing to bring this. Lori, just for the, our audience, what is the EH? Uh, what are you talking about when, oh, you, when sure. we're talking about it? Yeah, it, it seems like um, so long ago, but you know, it wasn't um, twenty years ago when you went to see a physician or um, you know went to the hospital. It was all paper records. The mm-hmm. way that patient care was delivered, it was all documented on paper. I mean, it seems like forever ago. Today, it's all mobile devices and computers and physicians working with computers to understand, um, to, you know, take the notes on what the care that's being delivered for a particular patient. That has been absolutely um, changed because now um, electronic health records are used over the entire um, healthcare delivery system in the United Mm -hmm. States. That's happened over the past, you know, 15 to, to 20 years. And, you know, for me, as somebody who, you know, developed those systems, implemented those systems, sold those systems, worked on them for all those years, I'm really proud of, you know, what I think of as sort of paving the clinical information highway by putting that kind of technology in place. And that that was really great. Now, I will say, you know, here at the work um, of the AMA, while while tech, the, that technology has been tremendous in many ways for the industry, it has not at all lived up to the full potential of really delivering better pa- uh, patient outcomes and really the kinds of innovations that we're used to when we use things like our smartphones today or our, um, you know, how we do banking today, how we do social connectivity with um, people across the globe today, that today with EHRs, you know, what we talk about is, you know, how they're really create you know, a large source of physician burnout where they're, you know, some of the largest issues that actually interfere with physicians taking care of patients, which in fact is what physicians want to do the most versus, Mm. you know, all of this burden that comes from um, this kind of technology. So, you know, part of the work here at the AMA, which is, um, you know, really trying to address those key issues, barriers between the physician-patient relationship. And in the work I do, it's about providing the innovation and trying to get innovation, which physicians love, as fast as possible into integrated into the practices where they work. I mean, it's you come from a very special background in terms of coming from the, I guess, technology provider, the solutions provider, implementing them, selling the dream, and then going into the AMA and realizing, oh, the dream wasn't implemented the way it was supposed to, right? Yes. So it could be you're still doing the, the right work to implement that information highway for, for for the doctors or for the industry, right? Which is which is amazing because uh, you get to see full circle, right? 
Yeah. Uh, yes. And I mean, part of the reason and part of the big draw for me to come to the AMA, I mean, look, when I, um, you know, I have 25 years working in, you know, some pretty successful companies. Um, and again, really proud of um, that work. And when I first, um, you know, started talking to the recruiter here about um, the AMA, I was like, what the AMA? Like, are you kidding? Like, why would that be <laughs> of interest to me? But the thing that was of interest to me is the ability to have impact on, you know, something incredibly important, healthcare, you know, patient outcomes, something we all, all interact with. I mean, there just isn't anybody where healthcare is not an important thing um, to them personally to their families. So on this side, you know, uh, the AMA side, it's uh, the the lens of how to approach these issues, it's different. It's not to sort of solve things in an innovative way with um, you know, a need to get an enormous financial reward out of that mm -hmm. as one of the most important metrics. Rather, the most important metrics are, are you driving innovation fast enough? Because what physicians care about is they care about, does it work? Will I get paid? Will I get sued? How do I integrate it into my practice? So the AMA focuses on those questions. And I'll just give you an example mm -hmm, of some please. work that, that we did here. Um, so part of the... Part of, um, the you know, some innovations in um, technology is telemedicine. And people love telemedicine. Physicians love telemedicine. There is an enormous need in the United States to get telemedicine more adopted in healthcare. We don't have physicians everywhere we need them. Um, so there's, there's, you know, workforce issues in terms of access to healthcare for patients. So there's a lot of reasons why you want that adopted more broadly um, in the U.S. What we found was that physicians, they love it. It works. No problem. The problem was, though, the reason telemedicine is adopted only at about 15% of practices in the U.S., it's they, they're not getting paid for it. They're not getting paid for the work that they're doing while interacting pa with patients in this right. way. So what do we do? As an AMA, um, we convened experts. And I will tell you, one of the things um, here at the AMA is you have the ability to bring the brightest minds, the best experts from across the healthcare ecosystem who will volunteer their time and effort to solve these really large problems. By convening, you know, a group of experts for a year, they worked on this problem, not just how you codify this work, how you actually implement it into practice, but how do we deal with the reimbursement issues? How do we get paid for the work that's being done through telemedicine? And that work was done. It was put into the coding system. It was valued. And now this year, we have new um, medical terminology codes for telemedicine that physicians are being paid for. And that means the adoption um, will simply increase. So really proud of that work. And that really speaks to, I think, the power of um, the impactful work of um, this organization.
Well, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Lori, I just want to take a quick look because um, as I looked at your career, and, and you did mention you've been within the medical technology, medical solutions uh, for a number of years now, and you've held multiple executive roles and in different organizations. I'd love it if you can share with our listeners today some of the challenges and maybe some of the best practices that you've experienced as you moved roles and and, and organizations. Yeah, sure. Well, um, yeah, lots of lots of different roles over um, lots of lots of years, <laughs> and so maybe maybe I can just give a bit of a journey story. So you know, I, I like I've mentioned, I've been I've been doing leadership and healthcare technology work for twenty five plus, going on um, thirty years, and where I tend to focus or gravitate towards is just areas of a lot of activity and where there is growth. Big complex mm-hmm. problems that have um, businesses that are um, growing. So, you know, the way I go about that work and um, sort of a natural tendency for me is to, in working with teams, is really setting very aggressive goals and then working to get people on board, teams on board, and moving very clearly um, towards those those goals. So it's a you know very simplistic um, formula that sort of just tends to work. Um, you know, when I worked at Allscripts, which is a company that I started at when it was just a $30 million, um, $30 million publicly traded company, you know, my time there, I worked sort of every different function in that organization, leading development, leading sales, leading services, um, <laughs> and doing all the things till we grew that company to be a $1.5 billion leader in the EHR space. And I think the experience of doing that is, you know, you've got to do the work. I mean, I gravitate to actually doing the work and leaning into sort of where the largest challenges are. That has been um, particularly helpful to me in terms of the ability to grow grow my career. And the best practices around that are a lot about, you know, just like I said, setting the goals, making sure that people are on board with them, and then just staying focused um, to, to reach them. Hey, How are you enjoying this conversation with Lori? And before jumping back into it, I'd like to take this time to say thank you to my episode sponsor, True Shield Insurance, Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses. True Shield not only will help educate you on the risks on your business, but also provide unique solutions, including the ability to purchase your insurance online. Simply go to trueshield.ca, answer a few questions and get a quote which you can purchase. Let True Shield help protect what you've worked so hard to build. Now let's get back to it. One issue that I've talked to many people in the past about and who have grown within these executive and these leadership roles, specifically in large organizations, um, is sometimes when it comes to being a women leader. Can you share some of the maybe challenges or some of the setbacks or some some of the things that you had to overcome as you've grown it and and you know came to this role? Sure. So I mean, first of all, I will say that um, you know, 
being a woman leader, like it is, it's a real thing. There are real obstacles. Um, it surprises me when I face them. Sometimes it still catches me off guard um, to for gender to be an issue um, when addressing an audience, when being counted, you know, sort of uh, looked at in a conversation. So those issues are real. Um, and, uh, they exist even at, you know, I would say I'm in the middle, um, or second half, um, end of my, my career, but, um, how do you address them is something I think about a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so I guess I would say a couple things. So, Early in my career, when I was first starting out, I received some of the best advice I've ever received and and um, really used um, over many years. And I give it to many people that I mentor um, on a regular basis. And and that is to pretty much speak up. Um, and speaking up means if something's bothering you, if you feel that you are, you know, pretty typical thing for a woman is doing the work and working really hard and thinking that the results speak for themselves when you are not speak, when you are not necessarily speaking for your own results. And it is really important as a woman to speak about the work that you're doing and the results that you are delivering. It has, you have to be good at saying that I got us to this result for the company, for the organization. I led this work. I was part of this team. And and sometimes I will say, even for myself, it can be uncomfortable to um, put that spotlight on um, yourself, but it actually is important to do. And that's just um, a natural. The other thing, you know, ad- advice um, that I received early on, this was, I can remember one of my very first positions. I was an implementation consultant um, mm-hmm. and I wanted, I felt I was very deserving of a promotion and I felt that I had done X, Y, Z. I had put in, you know, the requisite amount of time and I should be next up in um, the promotion uh, queue. And I remember complaining to a group of friends and one of my friends was like, okay, okay, does the person who can make that decision to promote you know that you want to be promoted? And I was almost Mm -hmm. insulted. How could this person not understand that, you know, I obviously needed that promotion? And his comment to me was, unless you ask, either people don't know or they have a reason not to pay attention. So I took that advice really seriously. I've always um, been reasonably good, I think, at asking (laughs) for things. And people can do one of a couple things. They can say no, they can say yes, or they can in some way say not now, but later. And that is um, been very helpful to me to really solicit, you know, direct information, direct guidance, and sometimes, um, you know, help and support in growing my career over the years. I mean, that's great insight and, and, and great tips, especially um, for letting people know your intentions, right? I mean, it's it's really tough to assume that people know what you want, right? Um, so just ensuring that people know, because everyone is all caught up 
within their own world. So it's not personal that they didn't know, right? And I'm sure you've learned that um, along your career. I, I have. And I think that, um, you know, again, you know, for many women, um, I, what I tend to find when I talk to, um, you know, I mentor a lot of people um, over the years. So I, I've mentored both men and women. I tend to mentor um, more women uh, than, than men. And what I find is that generally when you're mentoring someone, what women tend to say in terms of what they want next in their career, women tend to say, oh, I want to contribute more. I want to learn more. I want to, you know, do more in an organization. And I'll like, I ask them, it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Do you want to make more money? And, you know, <laughs> is that the real question? Is that the sort of subtext of what you're saying? And there's less um, comfort from women is what I generally find, you know, talking about things like that um, as it relates to their own professional development that I, that tend to be more on the wanting to be a part of a team. So that's just what I've seen. And I think that that plays true in, you know, the various studies and other things um, that we've seen. We've got great examples, though. I mean, you know, one of the things, and I'm just, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of proud and boastful of, you know, the work of the AMA, but, you know, just recently, um, the AMA elected its next president, and it will be the third president in a row that will be a woman, 174-year-old organization. And um, this is an absolute first, stunningly groundbreaking. Um, and I think that'll send a signal. There's the, the currently the, fir the first African-American female president of the AMA was just inaugurated. So there, there's, there's hope there's great signs. There's um, there's a lot of potential, but there's still a lot of work to do as it relates to gender equity um, as just one thing in the workforce. Well, and the key for us is always, um, even for myself, is always ensuring that we're having these discussions. And I know I passionately think about this stuff because I have a young daughter, and I always want to make sure that you know she hears and learns from this from from very successful women and women leaders and understand what's, what's, what's the work that's being done before her. Right. Exactly. So, uh, and it matters. So that's great. And congratulations to you. Thank you. Um, one thing I, I hear a lot from emerging business leaders and maybe some, some things even for myself, right. Is, is the fact about balancing, balancing many things that are on the go as a business leader, you have many projects, many teams, many things that that's happening. I'm, I'd love it if you could share some tips on how you are able to balance um, the fact that there's so many things on the go and what are the things that you end up diving deep in? Yeah. So um, look, that's a perennial challenge. I mean, so in, there's always too much work um, to get done. The, some of the hardest pieces of leadership is making choices and figuring out what you're going to focus on um, versus what you're not going to focus on. And it's always easier to try and focus on 
everything. Um, so, you know, how I tend to, um, tend to, uh, do that balancing act is again, some really simple techniques. Um, you know, choosing only three to five things using, you know, some of the, um, tools, the measure what matters, the OKRs, those kinds of approaches to really delineate, um, where we can only be focused on, a couple things that we can really measure that will make an impact and then staying focused on them because what that allows you to do is sort of let everything else that is important become secondary to just a couple key things that you're trying to drive. So it's not um, really rocket science, uh, but it is, it is, always an issue. I've never found that balancing act in my, you know, going on 30 years of work here um, to be something that I've been, I've been particularly great at. It is a constant um, thing that needs attention. <laughs> and that might be with just like your own personal life, as well as, you know, you're um, trying to balance your work life um, and what your family might need or what your personal relationships might need while still wanting to put a lot of attention into your work. Yeah, no, it's great. And, and, and I'd love to just dig deep in terms of how often you do that litmus test or, or check in on those priorities that you're on. Is this a weekly thing, a quarterly thing? Um, it's, uh, it is both. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I am really, um, uh, strong on trying to put the right process in place, not so heavy that everything, everything's a dashboard, everything, you know, comes <laughs> yeah. in a chart or an Excel, um, spread, but enough is that you can, um, really sort of like put everything on one page. So the one page dashboards that you can review on whether it's a weekly, monthly or quarterly basis, um, is really important. So for example, you know, here at the AMA, this health solutions, um, division, we're doing tens of thousands of transactions, whether we're communicating with customers, providing credentialing for physicians or doing um, licensing transactions, a lot of, lot of different um, activities uh, like that. And we've been modernizing the business, you know, behind the scenes to make it easier for people to interact with um, mm -hmm. the AMA. Those are the types of things that the most important thing is to get it automated so that you actually don't have to spend time in it, you can just look at um, a, a dashboard and sort of know how things are going. But you had to, we had to do the work to put those um, in place. Um, so I would say that, you know, if you could spend the right time on figuring out your measurement systems up front, it takes a lot of energy and focus sort of team management to get it going. But your objective should be to try and the work of it, you should try to get away from that as soon as possible and let the measurement system sort of stand on their own. I love that. I mean, that's a lot of things I talk about with the with the people I mentor or the teachings I talk with because I come from a computer systems background. So it's all about how quick can you systemize it so you could let go and manage the process versus uh, the job itself. Exactly. So I really appreciate you. <laughs> I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, Lori, I'm wondering if you could name a person who had, I guess, a tremendous impact on you as a business leader. It could have, it could be anyone, someone who was a mentor, someone who, um, who's alive uh, or dead, or someone who you met or not met. 
Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of people actually who have impacted me, uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit. And so the people, you know, have really helped me in, um, in both my career as well as, you know, how I've sort of evolved as a leader, um, have been people that I've had the opportunity to work with directly. Um, they've pushed mm-hmm. me. So, I mean, just, you know, I'll give you a couple examples. So, you know, very starting out in my very early days, um, in my career, a guy named Ken Kaufman, I was just busily taking notes in meetings and, um, you know, trying to uh, get something done. He put me in charge of an entire development team because they thought I was the most organized um, person. And then he just forced me um, uh, to be sort of like front and center and leading this group that I was wholly unprepared for. But he just pushed me into it and um, was really, you know, rigorous in um, saying, you know, it's time to step up to the challenge and make it happen. That was exceptional for me. Um, One of my closest personal friends, Pam Pure, who took a billion dollar business, brought it to $3 billion. She gave me my first big break um, in my career when we sold a part of the company and she went off to lead her next venture and she put me in charge of um, a, a venture that um, became one of the um, big milestones in the in the f- founding of all scripts um, a company I worked at for so many years and then mm-hmm. um, Glenn Tallman he was the CEO of all scripts he's the CEO of Lavongo today and you know I've worked with with him and for him for many years and I would just say that you know working with Glenn he's one of those visionary leaders, extremely passionate, um, extremely hard driving. So he expected more out of me, out of really everyone than I ever felt um, I could deliver. But I rose to those challenges. And, you know, just a couple um, things that, you know, sort of have have really taught me. Um, You know, I remember early when we were building all scripts, we had one of the most important presentations that we were doing at a potential customer. We were in this very, very large um, conference room at this old academic university, very important meeting, all these important people. I was delivering the presentation with him. I was so nervous. I felt a lot of responsibility. And right before we were about to, you know, do the presentation, he under the Mm -hmm. table kicks off my shoe, completely throws (laughs) me, completely, you know, unnerves me. But it was really just a reminder, like, enjoy the journey, have fun. Nothing is so serious that we can't enjoy it. And so I, I tend to get pretty focused. I can be kind of intense about how I focus on things. And he always, while pushing, um, really kept the reminder that, you know, we're doing something bigger you need to have fun along the way. And that um, that also really matters. I, those lessons have been extremely helpful to me. I try to bring those into the work that I do um, along the way. And I've really appreciated, um, you know, having um, folks like Glenn, Pam, Ken, and others to work with over the years. Oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing. And with that, I guess, fun question for you, if I were to ask any of your team members, past, present, colleagues, peers, 
um, what's the best leadership quality that uh, that Lori has? What do you think they would say? I think they would say I'm focused. I think they would say I would have, you know, an enormous amount of drive and energy and passion for the work um, that we're doing. And I would hope that they would say that I'm also really curious about trying to learn the next thing or helping us advance. I mean, I am not somebody who has all the answers. And I, um, you know, really expect that the best answers are not going to come from me. I'm not the Mm -hmm. smartest person. The smartest people are either around me or they're outside the building. I think that, um, you know, it's critically important when you're doing your work, it's so easy to get consumed um, in the details and in, um, you know, the things you're trying to achieve. It's so important to get outside um, the office, talk to whether it's your customers or immerse yourself in new opportunities to learn, um, to stay curious and lead. And so I think the focus, the energy and the being curious are the kind of things that I would um, expect people to say about me. Lori, so what else is going on? Do you have any special projects, initiatives? Uh, It could be professional, personally, or anything fun that you are looking forward to. Yeah, so we've got, um, we have a lot of um, great, fun things that we're doing here at the AMA. Um, I'm pretty excited about this innovation work that we're doing, you know, taking this medical terminology and making it more accessible to developers and innovators. Um, I'll be looking forward to doing a lot of that work um, later this year internationally. Um, But on the personal side, you know, we're building a house. And so we have been on this effort for three years and it's almost done. And I cannot wait for that to happen. That will be later this summer. That'll be a really exciting thing for my husband and I. Oh, that's super exciting. Well, good luck on all of that. And Lori, before we end, I'd love it if you could share some final thoughts, observations, ideally uh, some type of actionable items that you could share with the growing business leader who is listening today. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, just one final thing. I would just say, um, you know, I find that most people that I work with or interact with, people talk about working really hard. And that um, is just sort of ubiquitous. People work really hard. I admire that. I think it is wonderful. But I think also the pace of business today and the opportunities and the innovation is moving at a level of, um, you know, just it is a faster and faster rate and it is very hard to keep up with. So my thoughts are really get out of your own comfort zone put yourself in places where you don't, you're not the expert, where you're learning from others, for people who have ideas that are completely different um, than yours. I mean, for, you know, myself, I have, um, I joined a volunteer committee for the uh, technical organization this year. I've learned so much through that work. I've been on um, an advisory group for a completely different association to help there in their strategic strategic planning. That put me in contact with people who are not doing any 
things similar to the work that I'm doing, but I was able to get so many new, fresh ideas for the work that I'm doing. And there were just lots of opportunities like this. So I would just say that, you know, take advantage of them and put yourself in those positions because it brings back um, rewards, big, small, or that you might not even be aware are opportunities um, for you at any stage of your career. That's great. I really appreciate um, your time today. Lori. So to close, can you tell us where we could find information about you, the AMA, or anything else you'd love to share with us today? Yeah. So, I mean, look, you can find me on LinkedIn, like everybody else in the world. That's where I am. And you can find a lot more about the work of the AMA at the AMA website, ama-assn.org. There's a lot going on. We just finished our annual meeting where a lot of healthcare policy was moved forward, augmented intelligence, the opioid crisis, vaccines, many other things. Um, So a lot of recent information and always more coming from the AMA. Well, that's awesome. And we'll be sure to share the direct links to the website and to your LinkedIn profile. But Lori, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Edwin, thank you so much. This was terrific. That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode number 117 with Lori McGraw. If you want to learn more about Lori, the AMA, or anything else that we discussed, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 117. Please join me on my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode. I'll answer your questions and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. Thank you again for today's sponsor, True Shield Insurance. Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Well,